Up, and we are broadcasting live from Greenhouse's booth at HR Tech. We're at 7116. Come by and see us if you can. We've got Ava and Rich with us today, and we're going to just jump right in with introductions. Ava, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Sure. My name is Ava Sadegi. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Simba. Okay. Simba, not for the Lion King, but symbiotic relationships. We are an early career experience platform. Oh, cool. Early career defined by just out of college or before that? So anywhere from, you know, zero to five years of work experience. Okay. So that could be a lot of different things. 100%. 100%. Zero to five. Any specific industries or hourly versus corporate or anything like that? We've initially focused on professional and industry-wise, we focused on um, life sciences, biotech, pharma. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. That's very cool. Rich, what about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Rich Wilson. I'm the CEO of GigDI, as you can tell, from Scotland. Um, I spent a lot of my career in the U.S. working with the Legis Group in the traditional staffing industry. Yeah. I helped grow tech systems um, in Europe and in the U.S. Oh, my goodness. And then I spent three years as an analyst with Gartner, very much in the future workspace. Yeah. And that's kind of where those two experiences what created GigDI. So GigDI is an open talent marketplace and an internal talent marketplace. So if you took up work and gloat and put them together, yeah. you would have what we do. Oh, I love that. Um, so we are two years in and um, going pretty well, focused very much in the UK at the moment. Right. We're launching in the US next year. I love that. I love that. Okay. So we'll start with some basic stuff. Ava, the first question is a question that a candidate has asked you through your life at one point that you really love. It really just kind of struck you. It's like, that's really thoughtful. That's a really, really cool question. You know, you just kind of, and again, it could be 20 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday, whatever. It doesn't really matter, but just a question from a candidate that you really liked. That's such a, honestly, a great question that um, inspires me because I love the hiring process so much. It is the most meaningful thing, I think, as a startup founder, that other people want to be a part of what you're doing, right. especially at such a low salary and with oh, yeah. you know a lot of skin in the game, a lot of hard work. I think that the question that I love getting asked is what motivates you and really what inspires you, because that enables me to go back to the mission and the why behind why we're doing everything. Right. And it's so important for me to relive that and constantly have that top of mind and that they share that with me. I love that. I love that. Rich, what about yourself? I think one of the questions I get a lot, so part of the reason I left the staffing industry, I had really bad burnout, you know, working 80 hour weeks, traveling all over the place, right, right. manually, uploading CVs, you know, just old school, right? And um, when I started Gig DI, I really wanted to make sure that we focused on burnout um, avoidance and kind of try to keep it. And that was one of the questions I get asked all the time from people when we are interviewing them, like, how do you create an environment that has strong mental health that's going to let me be my authentic self and allow me to grow yeah, while on a lower salary, maybe not all the perks of a huge corporate, but right. how are you going to kind of let me be my best self? And I always like that question because yeah. you can then talk more about the culture you're trying to build, about even the technology you're trying to build. So, yeah, I always like that question. What I love about both of y'all's answers is it gets to thrive. You know, where do you thrive? And ultimately, we all thrive differently, and even at different days, different times, et cetera. And some of that's remote and flexible, and some of that's you need to go to the office, et cetera, like whatever it is. Sometimes you need a three or four day weekend, like just to regenerate, et cetera. So wonderful, wonderful answers. Thank you so much. Uh, because both of y'all deal with uh, TA professionals and your background, you've done with them for a long time. How do we get 
TA and even the hiring managers to look past the resume or the LinkedIn profile. So, you know, in Texas, we have this phrase of a, I hear what you're not saying. And so it, 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 it applies in the sense of the resume is what's stated, maybe even implied, but there's a whole lot of cool stuff that's not there. And, but, but you know, you know how people are, it's like, oh, well, let me see here, let me just read this stuff that's on this resume. And it's one page, it doesn't encapsulate, encapsulate the whole person. So, Rich, I'll start with you. How do we fix TA or our even hiring managers and get them to look past the resume? Yeah, I've got quite a controversial opinion. So I, I was speaking <laughs> at uh, so I was speaking at Wreckfest in um, yeah. in Nebworth, just outside London, yep. four or five weeks ago, and my pitch was all about how if TA teams want to stay employed and not keep getting laid off like a lot of teams are, like they need to look not just beyond the resume, but look beyond just being a, a recruiter of permanent headcount. Right. Like, how do you add value to the CEO level? How do you, like, you need to think about the goals of TA need to align to the business objectives. Whether that be more revenue, whether that be whatever it may be, and looking at different tools that can look beyond, like I talk about internal mobility being something that TA should lead. Right now that's led by HR managers, it's right. not led by TA. TA should be leading internal mobility from day one. 100%. And looking at that, and looking just beyond, like even the contingent side, that's always separate, it's a separate contingent team. Why? It's it's a horrible model that's been going on forever. It's, it's the pass the baton. I hired them, onboarding, now it's your problem. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you can add so much more value back there, yeah. you know, and the great recruiters, I mean, as you all both know, the great recruiters keep in touch. They stay with that candidate. Even once that candidate's placed or employed, they stay with them. They're checking in with them. They're doing all this bid. So great answer. And I don't think it was that controversial. I mean, not for me. Thank but you. TA people it. might not agree. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Ava? I love what you shared, Rich, because I think it's a frustration I share a lot um, because in our work, we see that um, TA is so busy being reactive to all the situations that we don't see the time and the ability to be strategic to focus on these types of things. Like, How do we design a new system and process that is actually enabling our teams to look beyond the resume? Are we open to trying out new tools that would maybe save us some time so that in the long run, we could do some of this work? So That's right. I feel like it really is like any behavioral change that we want to try to instill starts with creating environments that make it frictionless to do so. You know, when Rich and I were talking earlier, he had shared that he cares so much about UX and UI. He said his nine-year-old daughter needs to be able to do this and make I it that it. simple. 100%. And I feel like if we do that, make it that simple, then it becomes less on the onus of the TA leaders. Let's just make sure the systems enable them to do that quickly. Oh, I love that. God, y'all are great. <laughs> I need y'all to stay for like a couple of hours. Um, all right, so your current take on skills, skills-based hiring, skills-based, how do we get people to kind of, again, we talked about the resume, but now we're talking about how people, both hiring managers and uh, uh, recruiters, maybe even candidates are talking a little bit more about skills. Ava, we'll start with you. What's your bit right now in skills? I had someone say yesterday, which I thought was fascinating. I'll steal it, of course. But... <laughs> Yesterday they said, William, I'm looking at skills now and next. And I'm like, oh man, that's cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely steal that. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, how, what's your take on skills? 
I think, you know, obviously skills are the future. Right. And I think it's challenging because it's like, what is the next? Right. And it's like, I'm so focused on the now, especially right. like, you know, we're focused on early career talent. Like, how do we, you know, really do what they should learn then, now, in the future? So that's really hard. But I think what's so important is that, you know, leaders talk about skills. I don't think the narrative of the why behind skills is very clear oh, and very cool. articulated for early talent. I would love to understand, okay, learning this skill would unlock this pay level for me and this future career path. Like, is there a way to see this clear narrative, career pathway, and almost like a Duolingo experience where you unlock each level? Like, oh, why that. is it so difficult? And like, what does this skill mean for me? long term. What does this skill mean for me and how do I take what I learned here and literally apply it anywhere else? Oh, I love it. I love that. Great. Rich, what about yourself? I think it's a big buzzword. You see a lot of the stands here. You've got skill-based organization or talent intelligence, right? Everybody's kind of now a talent intelligence platform. Generative AI. Yeah, and and I think skills is so important. So for us, every single gig is a short-term piece of work, whether it be internal or external. So for us, the skill is the number one determination of whether that person can do the job because it's sometimes a two-week piece of work. The culture doesn't really matter so much. The soft skills maybe doesn't matter so much. Right. But the skill, and what we found is being able to use, like, when a chief data officer uses our platform, that would be one of our biggest users. They look at the GitHub. They don't, they don't, they don't look at the CV. They look at the GitHub and go, Python, what's the level rating in Python? I just need somebody to write me 25 Python lines of code. Cool, just go and do it. And I think if we can keep building that into people's mindset about the skills you need right now are somebody with Python. The skills you need tomorrow, though, are totally different, right? And I think... How do you ask generative AI? Yeah, and they're different solutions, right? Right. I love that. Okay, I got to ask you about ghosting. So again, full range of of questions or answers yesterday uh, from yeah, no big deal. Everyone ghosts. Everyone's always ghosted. Who cares? Why are we even talking to? To it's not acceptable at all at any reason forever for both candidates and, and recruiters. So I'm going to ask you first, Rich. What's your current bit or take on ghosting? Well, ghosting's not new, right? So. No. I've trained thousands of recruiters, and yeah, we would always have a, I'd always have zero, zero tolerance. So think, you need to think of that. Somebody, that could be your auntie, it could be your uncle, it could be your brother. Go back to them and give the feedback, right? right. Even if it is just two minutes, you didn't get the job. I don't really know what, why you didn't get it, right? But you didn't get it, right? Or right. your application wasn't accepted, right? Again, you don't always need to have the answer. If you've got the answer, great. You should always give them feedback, but you should always be courteous enough to give that person awareness that they are either being taken forward or not. For me, it's a non-negotiable. Right. And we've built that in to just automation now. So if someone's proposal, they put to a project, if it's not successful, they get told very quickly why, and then they have a column for, for feedback. And it might be, it wasn't specific enough or whatever, and they can use that next time. But yeah, just non-negotiable. <laughs> That's <Abba>. awesome. <laughs> I, I'm just, I like have so many questions for you because I feel like I'm like in theory yes because. That's awesome. And for us in early careers, like that's possible, right? They've invested so much time. They've recruited them. Obviously, they should give them feedback because, you right. know, they really d- went through that whole process. But at scale with like gigged AI, I feel like that's so hard. Like really thinking about how do you actually do that? And like, you know, my, my question, I, I, I'm allowed to ask a question to Rich. 100%. I feel like how do you ensure that adoption? Like is that happening that people, because like I learned recently actually at a meeting today that um, short term in gig work, you can be applying to 30 to 40 jobs 
at the same time. Right. So at that volume and scale, how could a recruiter have time to give every single person feedback? So, yeah, so they don't, right? So it's about being able to automate it, right? So they get a, they, they will get a response. So when that gig closes and it's been hired and they've not been successful, they're going to get a notification straight away. But then they have a connection. So our customer success team, you know, I'm a big believer what gets measured gets done. So our customer success team are measured on the, the quality rating. So they get a rating after that. Nice. From the freelancer. The right. freelancer could go, well, actually, I didn't, you know, I wasn't happy with that. And they get bonused or not bonused right. on that. Ava, what I've seen in that deal is they batch responses. So they start to say, okay, didn't have, uh, let's say, didn't have five years of experience, didn't, couldn't work in the United States, whatever the bid is. And they cluster those together so that then once they know what that is, then they can batch those out, and they've already got a they've already got a kind of a canned response that's true to that candidate. Yes. So that's that one way. Of, that's one way of managing that scale. Um, so I, I don't. It's a great question. It's also hard. But I, I like your response. The way I look at it, because you think about it for what we do, whoever gets, you know, that person might not get the, that gig. Right. But they could be our next most in demand skill, right? Well, so we or piss them off in. early or refer in. <laughs> yep. Right? Yeah. They have a bad experience. Are they referring in? Are they coming back for another opportunity, right? They were like, you know, I tried it. It didn't work, you know, but it'd be so cool if, like, they get feedback and then you can send them a mini little learning or, or like, a skill thing and, like, integrate. So, like, not only preparing them for their future opportunity, but you're up-leveling your own open um, oh, gig that. workforce. So I there's so that. many cool opportunities. It's like, hey, you didn't get it, and here's why. And, oh, by the way, if you do this, go to Khan Academy, take this class, and oh, buddy, you come back, yeah. Because your skill, especially with that, your skill is going to be in demand. We want you, not in this current iteration of you, but we want you. Yes. All right. Last question. So on the front end, we asked a question about your favorite kind of question that you got to ask in the candidate experience, etc. Now I'm going to ask you of a not a horror story, but just something where the candidate experience went sideways, just not what you expected. Uh, I tell the kind of the story of uh, a guy that uh, leadership was hiring for a CRO position. This was a rubber stamp dinner. Like his, everyone had agreed, going to get the job done. Salary had already been negotiated. Everything was done. We go out to dinner, and before we have uh, the meal, he takes his teeth out and puts them on the table. Right. So we all have dinner, this and the other, and then uh, we get back to the office. And he's doing. I'm like, all right, listen. Like, like start date let's go and they're, they're like yeah we can't hire him I'm like what's going on what? well teeth guy we can't hire teeth guy teeth guy can't come teeth guy oh can't my gosh. yeah because <laughs> because they couldn't get had nothing to do with the competence of, of, of the person had nothing to do with anything had to do with teeth on the table so a bad candidate experience and of course I gave them that feedback so I was I talked to him about it I actually took him out to dinner and just said dude I'd hire you. I'll hire you at my next gig. But this is what happened. Here's what I would do in the future. First of all, just tell people, like, hey, you know, I was in a car accident. This is that. This is what happened. I have to take out my teeth or it'll actually I'll create an infection, et cetera, et cetera. Like, let people know if you need to go to the bathroom or whatever. Like, do whatever. But let people know. And he took the feedback really well, and we became friends. But it was a horrible experience. I mean, you know, that, like that experience, because I'm, like, still on board. I'm like, all right, he's starting on Tuesday. Let's go. And they're like, teeth guy. Teeth guy's not teeth, not, teeth guy's not coming in. So anything, whether or not it was you as a candidate in a gig, 
or whether or not you've had a candidate come through you, just things didn't go well, didn't go to your expectation. Well, I'm I'm stunned by that story because I feel like that just feels illegal for some reason. It just feels like that's not possible to say <laughs> oh, no, no to someone. It's definitely it's definitely legal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just it feels so like you know I have a strong reaction to yeah. that. Um, but it's immoral and unethical. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it's and I appreciate that you you know communicated that with him yep. and you know really went that extra mile because that is so important. Yeah, I'd say for us, um, you know, we've gone through an experience where a candidate um, went through the final process. We were negotiated. We really wanted them, and then. They decided they got a you know almost a double offer from their current company, yep. and they just couldn't come through, and it was just devastating. It's some of that, which is crazy, and you'll hate this too. They used that as a way to get a double offer. They were never intending yeah. to leave. I don't let myself think that, but oh, you know, like you, you know, you, obviously there's you know parts of you, but you know, as a startup, we invested so many resources. Oh my god, to go through hours, the recruiting process, hours and hours. That was and brutal. Hours. Not only that, but the emotional. Yeah. You're hooked I mean, welcome in, you like, into my family. That's, like. right. that's right. I took you into my house. Yeah. You're my house. You're not my kids. You're not my wife. Rich, what about yourself? Mine's is a corporate one when I was back in corporate. And um, so, like, where we've built our startup, we built it with you know, um, diversity of thought and diversity being key to building a startup right. from day one. Right. right? We we're like, we're going to build this differently. I was in corporate. Okay. Um, I used to hire a lot of trainee recruiters. And... Um, you know, there's there's someone who's going to hire. Great, um, 22 year old guy, really enthusiastic, all the right skills. Yeah. And um, I was check, told check, I was, check. Yeah, check. well, I was told I couldn't make the hire because at the, that moment in time, we had actually just put a process and said we're not going to interview any more men because we need more women in the business. So I'm like, always like for diversity, absolutely needs to be key. But you start mandating things like that, who right. you can and can't interview. That's wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, that was a that was a straw that brought cameras back from me many years ago. But that um, that being able to limit who you hire based on quotas, especially, especially getting that far in the process. Again, if you'd have known it at the beginning, okay, you adjust. But to to get that far and fall in love with somebody and then go, you check all the box. I can't give you feedback that you're wrong for this job. Yeah. You are actually perfect for this job. I just can't hire you. Yeah. We actually just kicked the can down the road and then all of a sudden, three weeks later, their metrics were better and everything changed and we did make the hire, but it was just all, you know, that reactive, there's something, a directive from the top, so we just got to make these rules up so the metrics look good and I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of where I realised yeah. I need to go Time into to startup leave. life. Yeah. Time to leave. <laughs> Ava, Rich, y'all have been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. Thank you.